When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.49ers cutback podcast time welcome to the show everyone talk about bi-week business uh there's a lot going on there's people taking interviews uh there's injury news they're just figuring out what the 49ers are going to do during this week to be prepared for whenever they find out who they're going to play but there's a lot of different topics so i know a lot of times i do episodes that are completely one topic centric this one i'm going to kind of go through a bunch of different things and just talk about uh, everything from some of the production we saw in the games and how that's going to relate to the playoffs to some of the front office uh, potential moves and guys taking interviews other places and just some ins and outs from San Francisco 49ers land. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to sit back, relax, and just talk 49ers football because it's the it's the wild card weekend. We don't have to worry about anything. We're just chilling because the San Francisco 49ers did their job during the regular season. They went out, <clears throat> they got their 12-5 and five record, they got the number one seed in the entire NFC, and now they have the luxury of sitting back and letting these other teams duke it out as they wait to see who comes to Santa Clara to face the 49ers. It's a great opportunity to sit back and wait and calibrate. And with that comes some other things as well, but uh, this is exactly where the 49ers wanted. Now everything that you did in the regular season is not forgotten uh, but you have to move past it because now you have a different objective. Season one is done. You did what you needed to do to get the number one seed. Now it's your job to go out there and make sure you take advantage of the opportunity that you've given yourself. You are the number one seed. You have home field advantage, but you can always lose. Uh, one of the most horrific losses in 49ers history is 1987. The San Francisco 49ers had the best record in the NFL. They were 13-2. and In came the Minnesota Vikings. And Anthony Carter happened, and the 49ers lost that game. And Bill Walsh talked about it being the most traumatic experience of his coaching career. Uh, that was huge. They really thought they were a team of destiny, and they were going to win the Super Bowl that year, and they were stopped. So you just have to make sure you take into account every single variable when you're going into these games. And that's exactly what we get to talk about this week, and then next week we really get to ramp it up. So let's get into some of this, but... Like always, please like and subscribe to the channel. I'm on the push for 5K. I'm 185 subscribers away. You can help me get there before the end of the football season. I really appreciate that. If you're listening to audio platform, 49 hours cut back on Believe. Please give it a five-star rating. I appreciate all of you. And if you're going to bet on the playoffs, uh, bet with Bet Online. The NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing. 
Bet Online had you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today and get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And there's lots of places that I could start in this episode, but I want to start with one that's kind of a good news one. Uh, whenever Debo talks, I always find it very interesting, so I like to listen to what he said. And he's on the Up and Adams podcast like he is every single Tuesday. Uh, pretty good. So if you like listening to Debo, go check that out. Uh, but Debo talked about the fact that he needed four yards to eclipse a thousand yards for his career and for his season or for his career numbers and that he really wanted to get that number. So he went to Kyle during the week and he said, hey, Kyle, uh, you know, I only need four yards uh, to, to break this record. And what it would do is it would give him a thousand rushing yards. It would make him the second player all time to have 4,000 receiving yards and a thousand rushing yards in the first five years. Very impressive. And so Kyle Shannon said, yeah, we're going to get that for you. And sure enough, Kyle called a play for Debo to run the football, and Debo got the 1,000 yards. But I, the reason I bring this up is it just goes to show how much respect not only does Debo have for Kyle, that he was able to approach him and say, hey, I want to get this, how much Kyle appreciates what Debo does and wanted to get him that record. That type of respect between player and coach is really important. And those are the types of things that make players want to play for you. Those are the types of things that make players want to go the extra mile. And Debo has been one of those players throughout his career. He has been completely unselfish, going out and doing exactly what's needed for this team to win. When they asked Debo Samuel to run the football, he ran the football. In 2021, when Elijah Mitchell was in and out of the lineup with injuries and they needed a running back, it was Debo Samuel who did it for them. Uh, that's how the wide back moniker took over. But this is a guy who can do it all in the passing game as well. Catch screens, done. Catch the ball over the middle, uh, break tackles, and, and take it to the house, done. Vertical passing game, yes. Stop routes on the outside, back shoulder throws, no problem. He has really become a complete wide receiver. And, you know, that's one of the things that was said during the season was that Debo was the most unselfish player on the entire team. And looking back on it now, you see those types of things with the way that he goes about, the way he runs offense, all the times that he's decoy for this team to allow players like Christian McCaffrey or Brandon Ayuk or George Kittle to get their yards and get their big plays. Debo Samuel's worth can't be measured by stats, but has to be measured by the stats of the players around him as well. I think it's a cool thing to see what Debo Samuel does. I thought it was a little small a glimpse into a relationship that we've seen that's been really good. We think about it during the offseason, Kyle and him go over film, and Kyle is very on point what his coaching points are. Debo, you need to get better at this, not hustling on these, these, this. And what does Debo say? I've played like trash. I'm going to play better this year. Debo took it to a whole other level. His offseason training was fantastic. He came into the best shape of his life, and now we're seeing a really, really good season coming from Debo Samuel. So that's the, the good news for the San Francisco uh, 49ers. When it comes to other news, the Chargers have requested to interview Steve Wilkes. And I don't believe that Steve Wilkes is going to end up being the head coach of the Chargers, but I am glad that he's getting interviewed because Steve Wilkes deserves it. Steve Wilkes has been a fantastic defensive coordinator this season. The fact that he came in, he learned a new terminology, he learned a new way of going about running defense, 
and learned all of it. So that way the players didn't have to adjust you know, what their verbiage was, what their calls were, how they played the game stylistically. He came in and he made the adjustment. So it was a, it was a nice process, right? 20, do we do you switch it for 25 guys on defense or do we switch it for one in the defensive coordinator? And that was the choice that Kyle made passing on Vic Fangio and going with Steve Wilkes. And in comes Wilkes. And yes, Wilkes did a good job early. You've seen some of the improvements in the secondary. But then you had that, that time where the 49ers went through a losing streak. And everyone started to turn on Steve Wilkes. Well, not everyone. Um, I know I didn't. And there's several you know, other 49er fans for sure that didn't. But uh, there was starting to get some you know, hot seat type conversation. But Wilkes is just cooler than a cucumber. Uh, he made the adjustments that he needed to make. The defense, they married the defensive line to the secondary. And we've seen that defense take their, you know, play to another level. And I think that Steve Wilkes was going to garner this attention because he's already proven in two different stops that he's a leader of men, whether that was when he was in Arizona as the head coach or when he took over an interim basis in Carolina. The players liked playing for Steve Wilkes, and that hasn't changed in Santa Clara either. So the fact that the way his defense played, top five in almost every major category, and the fact that he's proven that how he is as a leader, how he conducts himself, uh, whether it's an interview process or just uh, whenever you see him speaking, he does his, such a great job. He should be a head coach in this league at some point. I don't know if that's this year. We'll see what jobs come available and who uh, some of the GMs are that they're really looking to get a certain guy. Uh, also, what could play into this is how long it takes for the 49ers you know, in the playoffs could determine when a coach is available uh, to actually sign and go with another team. But with him go with the interview process to the chargers, I think that they are going to ultimately end up going with an offensive coordinator, but they're doing their due diligence in talking to Steve Wilkes and they should, he's a very, very good coach. So do I expect Steve Wilkes to go to the chargers? No, Do I think there might be an interview or two uh, that's available for Steve Wilkes out there again. Yes. Do I think he should take those interviews? Yes. Uh, but ultimately, I think he should do like D'Amico Ryans did in 2021, take those interviews, listen to what they have to say, and then come back to the 49ers for one more year and then go out again next year where he will be in high demand and he will get the job that he ultimately wants the way that D'Amico was capable of doing. So do I think this is the year for Steve Wilkes? No. Do I think he's going to be in high demand uh, over the next couple of years? Yes. And I think ultimately he will eventually get a head coaching job, which he ultimately deserves. And if he doesn't, um, I know Kyle Shanahan would love to have Steve Wilkes around here for a long time. We'll see, though, because I want that for him. If that is his end goal, uh, that's what I want for him because I think he's a really good guy and a really good coach. The Raiders, Commanders, and Chargers, which is interesting, right, uh, have requested to interview Adam Peters. Uh, Adam Peters has been a well-sought-after front office person for the 49ers for a while. He was formerly the general manager of the Denver Broncos before he came to San Francisco. Uh, this is his hometown team. This is He's a 49er fan. Right now, he's the assistant general manager to John Lynch, and he's taking an interview with the Washington Commanders. He's going to be uh, meeting with them in Miami. So there is a interest for him to potentially go to another team. He's listening to offers, and now you've got them hiring, you know, um, Bob Myers. For, he used to be with Golden State, and he's been around here. I don't know how much he's rubbed shoulders with Adam Peters, but Bob Myers has seen firsthand how the 49ers conduct business in the front office and what this organization looks like. If ever you were going to model a franchise after another, it would be modeling it after the 49ers who have found consistent um, structure and consistent 
um, win, winning and winning ability consistently is not easy to do in the NFL. So what you're seeing from potentially the Washington Commanders is an attempt to take some of the 49ers way and move it across the coast and instill it there. And we'll see what Adam Peters ultimately does. I wonder, you know, what the front office of the 49ers could do. I wonder what Jed York could decide here. Could he decide to, you know, potentially promote Adam Peters to general manager? They've already moved John Lynch um, to president of football operations. So there is an opportunity to do that here. Could they just talk to him about being the heir apparent to John Lynch? Because we know John Lynch won't be here forever. So there's a lot of things that need to be discussed. I don't know if the 49ers ultimately want to lose Adam Peters, but the fact that he's got this much attention this early in the process means there's going to be more opportunities for him. So if the 49ers want to hold on to Adam Peters, they're probably going to have to make a substantial financial uh, you know, reason to get him and bring him back, and they'll probably have to promote him as well. So uh, Adam Peters has been very, very important to the 49ers scouting process, very good in the personnel department. The 49ers don't want to lose him, uh, but you know, whenever you have that kind of value, you don't hold that GM role. A lot of teams around this league will be looking to take their claim to getting Adam Peters there where he can go ahead and instill the same sort of things the 49ers have done in their front office. So uh, we'll see what happens with Adam Peters. I think uh, ultimately he's been pretty smart about the process, and we've seen other 49ers front office personnel go other places, whether that was Rand Carthon to Tennessee or Martin Mayhew to the commanders. Now Martin Mayhew uh, is on the, you know, on the ropes and out. So I, I think that there's a possibility. We'll see for all things. If I'm Adam Peters, I'm making sure I'm going to the right situation. You know, the, I want to be able to pick the coach. I want to make sure that we have a good um, chemistry together. I want to make sure I have potentially a franchise quarterback. I don't know if Washington commanders really hold you know, all the cards that you want. If you look at the Chargers, uh, they do have a franchise quarterback. We don't know what the coaching situation is going to be. But also, it's a, a team that doesn't usually spend. Um, so how much flexibility will you have with the salary cap the way that Jed York, the 49ers do? They say, hey, man, go make it happen for us. But we'll see what he ultimately decides. But it's something to monitor. 49ers do not want to lose into the front office. Personnel especially. Uh, what it sounds is Adam Peters. And we'll see how it... It plays out. I think Peters has a better chance of leaving than Steve Wilkes this year, uh, but ultimately you don't want to lose either one. So Cleveland Farrell was the big injury that came out of the game, and Farrell, it's been kind of mixed uh, conversations from media members about what exactly Cleveland Farrell said and when he's going to be out. I do know that Matt Barrow said that Cleveland Farrell told him the knee felt off, and he was walking fine after the game and said that he would would be ready for the playoffs. Um, and then I've heard other media members say that you know, he did not think he was going to be ready, uh, that they thought he was going to be out. So we won't know yet. He had an MRI. We'll see what those results are when Kyle Shanahan finally uh, talks to the media. But uh, Cleveland Farrell would be a big loss for the 49ers. What do the 49ers have to replace him? Well, it's Robert Beal Jr. And Robert Beal Jr. got some good playing time against the Rams. And I'll be honest, I was pretty happy with the play that I saw. I thought he was competing. I thought he was setting the edge a lot better uh, than the expectations were going to be for him. I thought he looked comfortable and calm out there. He was being good, making tackles, and he helped me get my wow, that's bold prediction correct that he would register his first sack of his career. Uh, so I thought that there was some growth there. Now, 
Do I think he's ready to be a big-time rotational piece for the 49ers? I can't say that. I still think there needs to be more growth, but I was definitely optimistic about his potential and how much work Chris Kacarek and Daryl Tapp have been putting in to getting him right. You could tell he was the way that he was navigating through space, squeezing things down and setting an edge. Uh, you could tell with the handwork and the hip work that he was displaying, that he was learning how to engage uh, to be able to take on bigger blockers and to be able to disengage and make tackles. So I was seeing some good technique work from hands to hips. Um, it was all there for, you know, for a player that's really young and that had been injured through training camps. So you just don't know how much Robert Beal is going to grow, but I thought that he looked pretty good. And the 49ers are going to need a steady rotation at defensive end. You have Nick Bosa. Normally you had Cleveland Farrell. So, I mean, that's what's going to be interesting. If Cleveland Farrell doesn't start, it'll be Nick Bosa and it'll be Chase Young. And then the rotation will go to Randy Gregory and Robert Beal. I would normally say look you know, out on the open market for a potential player to bring in on the practice squad at least. Uh, but the Miami Dolphins pretty much just took everyone that was really you know, good uh, to play edge defender for them. So there, there are guys still there, right? Jordan Willis is still capable and available if the 49ers wanted to bring him in just in case they needed depth. Jordan Willis is good against the run. But I wonder how much Jordan Willis is an improvement over Robert Beal. Uh, Chris Kacarek is very high on Robert Beal. They know that he has the speed to bend the corner. He's still getting this together. But if he can play the run pretty stout, uh, then I think the 49ers will feel comfortable with the rotation the way it is. Uh, so we'll see what happens if, if Cleveland Farrell misses any game time at all. The other one was Taylor Hawkins. Now with Hawkins, I think this one is less significant. He's dealing with the wrist. But with the Tashawn Gibson and Jair Brown likely to be back for the divisional round, the truth is Taylor Hawkins probably wasn't going to get much playing time anyways. In fact, he probably wasn't going to be elevated from the practice squad. So that injury really has you know limited effect on the 49ers. The good news is Jair Brown and, and Tashawn Gibson are going to be back uh, to go with Logan Ryan. And I was very impressed with Logan Ryan in the game against the Rams. My question coming out of... The commander's game was how was Logan Ryan going to respond to not being as good in run fits as we expect from a 49er safety? Well, he responded in a big way. He made a lot of really good plays around the line of scrimmage, uh, and he showed that he has the ability to help in run fits. He has the ability to tackle the open field, and Logan Ryan is still pretty good in coverage. So I like the Logan Ryan effect that he has on the 49ers, the veteran ability, the understanding of what he's seeing from offenses and concepts. Uh, so to me, that was good news for the 49ers, and I feel comfortable with the 49ers' safety position going into the playoffs as long as you have Gibson, Ryan, and Jair Brown. I think they can roll with those three and be uh, fully healthy and happy with where they're at. Now, Dre Greenlaw and George Kittle were dealing with tendonitis and back spasms. Uh, Greenlaw with tendonitis, Kittle with back spasms. I think it was completely precautionary. I don't think these are going to linger at all. And, you know, what we got to see from the 49ers were some uh, pretty good tight end play. Charlie Warner got involved in the offense. He blocked as good as always. Brayden Willis got in there and made some key blocks. Uh, so we've seen some growth again from a young player. And they're going to have to count on Brayden Willis. They put Ross Dwelly on the IR, which means Ross Dwelly is not going to be available. And that means it's going to fall on to Brayden Willis when they go to three tight end sets. Most of the time they just go to Kyle. You check anyways. But... It was nice to see a guy get out there and, and make some plays. 
And that's exactly what you wanted to see from a rookie tight end and a tight end like Charlie Warner that you've been looking to get some production from. Now, it wasn't like a George Kittle-type production or anything like that, uh, but it was a guy that it was a possession kind of tight end. He caught the ball. He got positive yards. He got down. And that's exactly what you're looking for, a guy who's normally your blocking tight end going out there and being successful. Now, with that being said, I, there were some question marks coming from the game, and I was at the game thanks to a bed from Davis Tire in Lodi, California. Um, and the tickets were great. I had a great time. Uh, 49er fans were awesome. It was a, a great experience to be in the stands and, and watching the game again. Uh, it had been a while, so I was very in tune with what was going on. It was, it was a lot of fun. But I think one of the things that was the biggest question mark coming out of the game that most people were talking about was Jake Moody. Uh, and I was sitting on the side where Jake Moody you know, was having those balls drift wide right. And yeah, you don't want him to miss a 38-yard field goal. You don't want him to miss an extra point, which was the first extra point miss of the season. He had been on a historic you know, trek. And when he missed it, it was disappointing. That is for sure. I will say this. I think that Jake Moody can rebound from this, and he can uh, be positive in the in the playoffs. I also, however, am a realist and realize that kickers are the type that they can get in their own head. Now, I don't know if Jake Moody's going to do that. I don't know if he's going to get in his own head. And I think that Kyle Shanahan and the organization are steadfast in their belief for Jake Moody. Uh, so do I believe that people have the right to be nervous? Yes. Uh, the 49ers have had some some nerve-wracking moments with kickers in the past. You know, whether that was Mike Kofer uh, back in the day who missed some very clutch kicks, uh, to David Akers who got the yips uh, in 2012. There are situations where kickers have done the 49ers wrong. But Jake Moody's a young guy that they have a lot of belief in who has a very strong leg. If he can figure this thing out and be consistent, uh, he could be an offensive weapon for the 49ers because – uh, you don't like to kick field goals. In fact, the 49ers don't kick field goals very often. But he has the leg to be able to kick from deep. And just in case you can't move the football to a certain part, he can definitely get it done. So I don't know exactly how Coach Brian Schneider or Kyle Shanahan view this. I only know what you know Kyle says as far as to the media. Um, but my belief is they probably are going to roll with Jake Moody, but probably are very cautiously optimistic that Jake Moody is going to be able to consistently make kicks in the playoffs. And if I was the 49ers offense, I would not put it on Jake Moody. If I'm the 49ers offense, I take it upon myself, Brock Purdy and those weapons, to make sure that you go out there, you score touchdowns. And let's be honest, that is the main goal anyways. You want to score touchdowns. Make sure you get out there and you get it done. In the playoffs, you don't want to be trading field goals. And yes, field goals sometimes are... Uh, very good. You need those field goals to that way you don't have open frames, and that way at least you walked away with three. But I'm telling you, this is the time of the season where field goals don't win you Super Bowls. Uh, touchdowns do. And I know field goals at the end of games can win Super Bowls. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about consistent field goal uh, will not do it. So Jake Moody, he's, he needs to figure this out. He needs to make sure that he can make kicks. And I would say that I would be uh, lying if I said I wasn't a little concerned. But I'm going to hope that Jake Moody bounces back because I really do want Jake Moody to be 49ers kicker for a long time. I want them to have the ability to be able to count on him in future seasons to be very successful from that position. 
The other part that I was a little leery of now coming out of that game is the secondary and not the starters. I have faith in Yamanur Lenore, Tarverius Ward, Ambry Thomas. I think those guys are going to go out there and compete, battle, and they'll play at a pretty high level. But if something, heaven forbid, happens to one of those guys and we have to bring in Womack or Luter Jr., um, that's where I get a little bit nervous. Now, I think Isaiah Oliver did a pretty good job once again. What does Oliver do really well? He tackles really good. He helps and run fits. Uh, and that's exactly what he did against the Rams. But I worry about you know certain matchups for Isaiah Oliver in the nickel. But I think the four years have four solid corners. And then I think when it comes to the two young guys, you just haven't seen them make enough plays. And so I have some question marks around there. Jason Verrett would have been a huge reason why we didn't have as many question marks. I wonder if the 49ers need to add a cornerback to the practice squad, a veteran cornerback, just in case. So far, they haven't done that. We'll see what happens if they ultimately do that. But uh, it just kind of screamed a little bit of inexperience for the 49ers in the secondary. And I'm a little surprised. I thought Sam Womack was going to play a little bit better as far as ball skills in that game. Uh, but he still gave up some some key catches. So I think the 49ers are, are good in the secondary. Uh, I feel really comfortable with the safety position with the two injured 49ers coming back. I feel comfortable with the starters. Just hope it never gets to those backups. That way we never have to find out uh, what, you know, what those guys are. But uh, to me, the depth in secondary made it a little bit concerning. And also depth at the wide receiver position uh, made it a little concerning. I thought there were moments where Chris Conley looked really good. The deep ball down the field, that was good. He got open a couple other times where he didn't receive the ball. Thought he looked pretty good. Uh, he did have a significant drop, though, in that game. He blocks well, though. Uh, but, you know, there's question marks about some of the other guys. Ray McLeod dropped the ball that he should have had. I think Ray Ray will be fine. I have confidence in him. Uh, but I do have question marks about Ronnie Bell. You know, and we had question marks about Bell as a punt returner. And now we're starting to see those at wide receiver. And really, I mean, Ronnie Bell, he had a touchdown in this game. It was an absolute dart by Sam Darnold and a great catch by Bell in traffic. Uh, but what we've seen consistently is Ronnie Bell struggles to create separation. And unlike Jawan Jennings, Jawan Jennings has the big physical body to be able to get the ball uh, and, you know, have it separated from him. He can go ahead and block out defenders. Ronnie Bell doesn't have that size, and that's why you see defenders go around him and knock the ball away a lot. So I do have question marks about Ronnie Bell. And I wonder what Kyle Shanahan is going to do because Kyle Shanahan was not happy with Ronnie Bell in this game. Kyle Shanahan yelled at Ronnie Bell on a pass route that could that Sam Darnold threw up the sideline that he really wanted Ronnie to keep running. And Ronnie I, was supposed to run. Not only did he run into a cornerback when he was running his route and didn't try to avoid him at all, uh, but then he stopped his route running up the sideline. It was a little interesting. So I think his lack of blocking has already been an issue for the 49ers. They've tried to put him in some key situations where he doesn't have to consistently block uh, because that's not a strength just because of his size, his technique. And now we're seeing some areas in which he's not good in, as far as receiving. Uh, so I think that the 49ers have a little bit of a problem there, and they have to decide on Danny Gray this week. Uh, so the 49ers are going to have to make a decision on whether to bring Danny Gray back for the playoff run or whether to keep him on IR for the rest of the year. I would say normally I would I would think Danny Gray is going to be on the – IR for the whole season, and they're not going to bring him back uh, because I did think Ross Dwelly was going to be uh, the player that would be potentially put on IR for that to happen. Now I don't know what they're going to do, but I wonder what Kyle Shanahan's comfort level is with Ronnie Bell compared to Danny Gray. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the 49ers do. 
But luckily for them, they should be getting Jawan Jennings back. He was in the last stage, uh, couldn't clear the last hurdle and getting back from concussion protocol. But with two weeks left, he should be able to clear concussion protocol and be able to practice with the 49ers, which means 49ers could be close to full strength at wide receiver. And when you have your top four guys as Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Jawan Jennings, and Ray Ray McLeod, you feel pretty comfortable. You have Chris Conley on the active roster. Uh, so we'll see. Conley is somebody I know that they like. He, he's a big body. He blocks well. He does get open occasionally. Um, we'll see. Ronnie Bell, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the 49ers do. Uh, I'm trying not to get down on the young guy, but I've seen him drop the ball over the middle. I've seen him you know, not finish some routes, the punt return thing. Uh, so he's got to step it up. Hopefully Ronnie Bell can step it up. But the 49ers have to make a decision on Danny Gray. And this week, the 49ers are going to have two very hard practices. Kyle Shanahan uh, talked about this with Greg Papa last week. He said, we're going to have two hard practices, and then they're going to have two days off, and those are going to coincide with Saturday, Sunday, because the 49ers don't know who they're going to play yet. Uh, They have to wait and find out. Of course, if Green Bay is able to beat Dallas, it will be Green Bay. If Dallas beats Green Bay, but the Rams beat the Lions, then it would be the Rams. And if the Rams and Green Bay both fall, then that means it would come down to the game on Monday night between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Philadelphia Eagles. So if that was the case, the Niners would play on Sunday. But Kyle electing to go with two hard practices and and a couple of extra days off because he wants it to coincide with them potentially playing on Saturday next week. Because in 2019, 49ers had a bye, Minnesota Vikings won, and they had to play the Vikings on Saturday. So just making sure you're prepared, making sure your practice timeline works out. Now, one thing Kyle said was that they are going to go absolutely 24-7 once they know who they'll face. Uh, and he even took it further, not just 24-7, not a single other thought will enter their minds. Uh, this is the type of motivation and a type of locked-in mentality that the 49ers are going to have uh, during this bye week. They're going to be focused. Now, early this week, they're going to prepare on getting better uh, themselves. There are some of the scouting staff. You know, some some of the quality control coaches, they're going to be working on crunching some film of potential teams that they could play. But when it comes to it, the 49ers are focused on getting better. It's it's all about getting better themselves this week. And then next week, it's full preparation for whoever they play. Because when it straps up at San, in Santa Clara, whether that's Saturday or Sunday, next week, the 49ers know that they have they're one game away from getting to the NFC Championship game. That's ultimately the next goal. It's not the end goal, but it's the next goal. Uh, your first goal was to win the division. Your second goal was to get a first-round bye by being the number one team in the NFC. Both those goals have been done and checked off. Now they have a goal of winning the divisional matchup or they turn their attention to their goal of winning the NFC Championship and getting back to the Super Bowl. Uh, they were just checking boxes right now on goals. That's exactly what they have to do. Uh, so thank you guys so much for joining me for this episode uh, just talking 49ers bye week business. And I'm looking forward to playing more content coming out this way or this week. Like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already on the push for 5K. This episode of uh, 49ers Cutback brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. I'll catch you guys all on the next one. Until then, stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.